right. Um, before we get into all of our hundreds of topics that we want to talk about today, uh, I just want to have a follow-up. And I don't actually remember if I ever said this in the show, so it might not actually be follow-up. But um, I think I spoke to you guys about um, being very frustrated about the change or potentially bug in photos on macOS. So basically, when you tapped um, the spacebar when you were in photos, it would play a live photo. And even if it wasn't a live photo, it would try to play it and nothing else would happen. Whereas this used to be opening the picture like actually opening the image uh larger mm-hmm. and that was such a nice feature like it was such a nice shortcut to just be able to open it by the space bar and it made sort of logical sense to have like a big button to make it bigger um and it's back so i just want to say that i really appreciate that so thanks whoever put that back into mac os i appreciate you <laughs> cool mm. Um, but that's pretty much it. Uh, as I said, I don't know if we spoke about this, but I'm I'm very happy that it's back. So there have been a lot of different things um, coming out on my nine to find back. Um, a lot of different rumors that we just discussed, and apparently we're going to talk about all of them. Um, so, Zach, you care about dark mode? Yeah, I do. Yeah, dark mode's great. Neither of you care yeah. about dark mode, do it? So I have to talk about this. I wouldn't say that we don't care about it. I would say we're skeptical to I think it, I, and we I don't really don't use it. Okay, that's fair enough. All right. Well, <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you care? Um, it's just I, I I've never used dark mode on anything before. I I don't really because see myself. it wasn't available on iOS, right? No, I just I, don't, I just don't realistically see myself ever using uh, dark mode unless unless it becomes the default. I mean, I use apps that happen to be dark, like our Discord app has a dark theme, and I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> but it you're, is, you're not against dark mode in general. Is that what you're trying to? No, it's just it. It's not that I'm. I wouldn't seek out dark mode if if it's an option. I I, I like to go with whatever gets the most attention by the most amount of uh, developers and Apple. So if dark mode would be the default, everything is dark, I, I can live with that. It will be annoying with OLED and if they go with full dark. Um, yeah, like uh, the watch, for example. You're not annoyed that it's... No, it's, it's totally is fine it that, it is, that it happens to be a very dark interface. I don't mind that at all. Mm. It's just I, I prefer to use the things that are the most polished. And realistically, dark mode entering, if dark mode goes onto iOS, there will be most likely scenarios where developers didn't update uh, the dark mode uh, or didn't support dark mode fully or kind of... Uh, rush through dark mode support to check off the... the the, the feature feature list item in, on their to-do list, and it will just not be the same level of polishing as the default, uh, default view. So if that's the case, I, I just don't care. If dark mode would become the default and everyone's going dark UIs, I, I, that would probably change that. And I wouldn't even mind that too much. It's just I, I in general, prefer things to be the most polished, and that happens to be on iOS and macOS, non-dark UIs. Well, I think as a user... I am very. Oh, I know. As a user, I'm very excited about this. Maybe less so as a developer, because apparently <laughs> it's not the easiest to implement dark mode on macOS as it stands. But yeah, I think we we can look at the dark mode implementation on macOS as it's been for well, since September of last year as sort of 
to look at how we can expect it to behave on mm-hmm. iOS. And I mean, there might be some different. There might be some differences. I know if you look at third-party apps that have dark modes, there's often a few ways to uh, that, that dark mode can toggle automatically. It can be sort of done at sunset. It can be done. Um, oh, wait a second. So <laughs> sorry, my my um, concept of dark mode on macOS is that it goes dark at sunset, but that's not mm. a system feature. I've just remembered that's, no, that's a something- feature from Flux. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, this kind of changes everything. No, it doesn't change everything. <laughs> but it, anyway, so in my mind, macOS switches to dark mode automatically at <laughs> sunset and at sunrise mm-hmm. goes back into light mode. And this is exactly how I want it. It's perfect. I, and I was thinking, I was assuming that iOS would have a similar option. Kind of like at the yeah. moment with night shift, you have uh, a night shift on iOS. You can set it either by sunset to sunrise or mm-hmm. by a time of day. So you could have like yep. 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. or something where it's dark mode. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they do something similar like that. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like if it would be what you thought it would be, like it actually just does it automatically as soon as it gets darker, I think that would be really nice. I doubt that they would make it in the same way as um, as Night Shift, just because Night Shift slowly changes color, whereas I think that would sure. be weird if you have a light UI and change to a dark UI. I think that would cost for some really weird but I mean, in between yeah, but it, the yeah. mac does it i mean or like with flux but oh the yeah mac it, does it and does it just change it's like yeah, slowly just be working away and all the windows suddenly change to darker ui but i don't understand okay we already have night shift on the mac do that, we? that can do yes, sunrise do. to or sunset to sunrise we do but dark mode doesn't respect the behavior of night shift okay that's so, weird. That, so that why would, yeah that's because yeah, i was yeah. going to make the argument that if ios has night shift they could potentially just hook into that and use that for I, dark I mode hope they but do. if they're not doing yeah. that on mac os i'm wondering if there's some technical limitation of why they don't provide it as a as an option already maybe it's harder maybe it's Maybe it's not as easy. Maybe they can't hook into it. Or maybe it's because of what I mentioned that like making that s- slow transition might didn't look good according to Quite them. possibly. Like if you're in the middle of working on something and your your UI shifts out from under you. I mean I've never found it to be a problem because everything's still in the same Yeah, but it's space on the screen. Would it be like a change from dark to light from light to dark, just like that? Yeah, on Mac it probably takes a second or two. It sort of it yeah. tends to go window by window. Because what I'm thinking is that what uh, something like Flux or something like Night Shift does is that it slowly transitions over like the course of half an hour uh, while the sun is setting. And I think hooking into something like that with dark mode wouldn't really work because you would have all those grayish nuances in between. No, no, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, Flux is doing its temperature shifting over a period of however many hours it does. Okay. But mm-hmm. when at, at the moment that the that sunset is for your location, it will just suddenly shift your UI from light to dark mode where the dock goes dark, the menu bar goes dark, the current window you're looking at goes dark and then slowly you can sort of see windows in the background all, you know, take half a second or whatever to transition over to into dark mode. That like regardless of implementation details, I mean worst case scenario we probably get a button in control center that you have to uh open control center and press to to toggle it. I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. I use a few apps day to day that have a dark mode at the moment and I really enjoy using that dark mode at night. I think it's quite nice to not be blinded 
um, particularly when you're in a darker room. Until he had one app that didn't update. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, if I'm thinking of examples right now, most of the apps I use at night are, do, or do support a dark mode of some sort. The two exceptions being iMessage, which oh, interesting. burns my eyes every time oh, I have to wait, open for, it. For macOS? Oh, sorry. I'm talking about on iOS. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Ma- on macOS, I quite enjoy dark mode. And mm-hmm. uh, on macOS, my biggest problem is pages documents where the background of the document yeah, stays yeah, white, and I understand why. But in a mm. in a text only document, I think I'd be okay with black text on a white, sorry, white text on a black background. But I understand mm-hmm. why they don't. It's too complex. Mm-hmm. And all that. Um, but yeah, on iOS, iMessage still kills me, and the <laughs> Dexcom app is blindingly white, and that is one that I often have to open in the middle of the night, which is really frustrating. Mm. I think there are some interesting things that dark mode. That you might be able to do with a dark mode. So, I wonder if they have things like wallpaper switching on, because I, I know on macOS there's at least basic support with this for system wallpapers, where mm-hmm. on the default mm-hmm. Mojave wallpaper it can be different night and day. So, I wonder if on iOS you can do something like this, because on iOS I'm always really uh, careful to pick a, a fairly dark <laughs> background because yeah. I know that if I have, like, I see people with almost pure white backgrounds, you know, and that is, it's blinding at night. It's really, really frustrating. So, I'm really careful to pick a dark background mm-hmm. always on iOS, but I wonder if that might be able to change with with the dark mode. Another thing is with custom app icons or, or different app icons that we can have now where, where a user can change them manually, I wonder if an app could specify different icons in day and night mode. I mean, looking at macOS, that isn't possible, but Again, iOS might be treated differently, so that could be cool because I know some apps do predominantly dark icons as one of their their options for the variations they have. And then the other thing that I'd love to I see... I think that gets tricky, though, the changing the icons because, I mean, at the moment, you can't even change... Even for apps that have different icons, right? You always have to have the user interaction, confirm yeah. that you want a new icon. It's very much... It makes we sense, We don't want to show you an icon that you don't... Yeah. that you didn't select in the app store to download or yeah. then changed it in the apps. Well, I imagine, yeah, user configurable, but could I pick a, just like you can pick an icon now, could you pick like, one uh, that you said mm. uh, allocate it today and allocate it tonight? It might, you're right, it might be too complex and probably for this year it probably is too complex, but that I would like to see changed. Um, oh, another thing that I'd be really excited if iOS got a dark mode about, the um, screen time blocking message thing where it's like, Either you get the message after you've hit your allocated time on an app or you get see the message after the time you've set for downtime. It's all white. It's pure white. <laughs> and there's like two lines of black text and a, a blue button to dismiss or whatever you do in that screen. That's really painful because often the times that I'm seeing those messages are later at night. And that's not the time of day that you want to be blinded by a, a bright light mm. uh, screen. I do have a I do have a radar open about that. It has not received any interaction. <laughs> it's not being marked as a dupe. Just keep on filing them. <laughs> You'll be fine. That's what they so recommend. We'll see. Again. We'll see what happens there. But the last thing that I want to say that I would be excited about is wait. I, I first I, I first have to interrupt. So how are you using yeah, a sure. screen time now? Uh, very much the same as I was. When we spoke about it last, I think I only have a limit on Tweetbot at the moment, mm-hmm. which is actually working quite well because often I think I've got it set to 
20 minutes most days. And look, I'll be honest, most days I will do the thing where I extend it by 15 minutes because I, you know, haven't checked in a few hours and it's like 7 p.m. whatever. But it is working quite well because it hides. I don't have the icon on my home screen and it hides the icon and discourages you from pressing on it. And then when you do open it, you get the blocker. I actually have found that it does often prevent me from sort of uh, like mindlessly opening mm-hmm. TweetBot. Sometimes I will open it deliberately and that's when I'm happy to to ignore the screen. But I find, you know, maybe from getting the bus home and it's a bit later and I've hit my time for the day, I will find I will stop and think if I've uh, sort of subconsciously just mm-hmm. hopped on over to the app. And I think that's working well. And then I still have that same, I think it's 9.15 where I turn on downtime. But I do have a lot of apps excluded from downtime. I think music, podcasts, Dexcom... Um, <laughs> really, all public Dexcom transport doesn't apps. have a time limit for you. That mm, fancy that. Yeah. Um, yeah, public transport apps because, like, they're, they're the type of things where if I'm if I'm opening a public transport app, I'm doing it because I'm about to jump on a bus or a train. I'm not mm-hmm. doing it because I'm bored and I want to look at bus times. <laughs> so I have no problem hey, with we're, allowing we're that judging. app to be accessible. <laughs> if, that's, if that's what you like to do in your spare time, go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah it's more about stopping there reactions to like just mindlessly opening apps interesting and, and do you have things. do you have stats on how often you requested extra time uh does it give you those stats i don't know i and I, I never use screen time i mean i tried it out but i never actually i i feel like for me self-control works pretty well um, yes you are a stronger person than i <laughs> it's it's just i don't know when i when i tried screen time i just mm-hmm. Noticed that I requested more time every time. It didn't really help yeah. to discourage me too much. It so just I was makes like, you more of a rebel. You're like, no, I'm in control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, I, do, I, I do have a complaint about screen time, though, because what we're on... You like the animation too much for the time... Cl- time hour, t- hour time, hour clock. What is it called? Hour, hour clock? Is that the name of it? The sand time clock. The, what is it called? The hour... Is it an hourglass? Hourglass. Hour that glass, sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um... So, have you ever tried to browse the web with <laughs> screen time on? It is impossible because yeah? it blocks every website. So, uh, you so can open for each you can, website individually. Right. So, you can have Safari <laughs> unblocked or whatever. You open Safari. You type something in search. The page loads. You can see it. You try to click on a link and then you get met with a full screen uh, your time has your time limit has been reached on Google.com. And it's like, great, okay, ignore for the day or whatever. And but then that would be if you personally set the time limit for Google.com, right? No, because it's just it's blanketly banning all websites. Oh. Which is so because it's after the nine it's yeah. after the, the down it's in downtime. It's not mm-hmm. a time mm-hmm. limit specific to Google. Mm, okay. Um, which is really annoying because then then you go to the first result or whatever it is that you want to look at. And then that page, you get the the full screen blocker for again. <laughs> and then you go to another page and you have to do the same thing. And then if you're browsing at like 11.55 p.m. and the clock strikes 12, you go back to Google. What do you see? That full <laughs> screen blocker. And all the websites again, you have to un... <laughs> anyway, that, that's an aside. That's unrelated to dark mode, but that is really frustrating. <laughs> I do see that full screen white prompt way too much. Um, Kaya just had a look and I don't think there's any stats on how often you've extended your screen time. Okay. Um, that would be very interesting to know and maybe scary otherwise. Yeah, then that's a feature, requ- feature request now. 
Because I think there would be a nice streak around. I heard you should just file a radar for those things. <laughs> yeah, they get answered. The one last thing I'd like to see from dark mode, at least from a, an iOS app perspective, is the ability to have a light and a dark launch screen for your iOS app. Oh. Because I've found yeah. that for some apps I use dark mode in, and oh, this has changed a bit over the last couple of years, but for some apps I use dark mode in, that's really nice once the app is open, but if you're you're stuck on the launch screen, they mm-hmm. have a, a bright white launch background. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, a current example of this is Carrot Weather, where mm-hmm. I have the app set to dark mode, but the launch screen is white. Overcast used to do this. Overcast does not do this anymore. Uh, I did tweet at Marco once asking him to change this. I'm going to pretend that my tweet made that change. Uh, whether it was me or not, I have no clue. But... Uh, that is that is something that has always annoyed me. So anyway, I think it'd be really nice. And, and I obviously don't particularly want the scenario where every app is then forced to have a dark launch screen because that defeats the purpose of the launch screen where it's meant to sort of look like the first mm-hmm. screen of the mm-hmm. app. And mm-hmm. I think it'd be really nice to to have that change. I mean, that's a that's a little thing. It's a it's a nitpick, but I think that could be cool if that changed. I would too. definitely expect that to come though, because yes, that is I mean, so sense. that would be so obvious of an oversight. Mm-hmm. For every yeah. single app, because at the moment there's no way to do that. Yeah, but you I can't I, have I would, any logic on your launch. Yeah, but I would be very surprised if that wouldn't. So wouldn't what did Marco for. do for that? Did he just change it to always be a dark one? Correct. Yes, the launch okay. screen is always. I guess dark. that's yeah, that sort of makes sense. It's a bit less intense, even if you mm-hmm. do run the lighter uh, interface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so that was my little rant on dark mode, but I think I'm the only one of the three of us that's excited for it. Definitely as a user, I think this is something that I'm going to be using. Uh, I don't particularly like being blinded by my phone and something that's easier on the eyes at night, I have no problems with. Yeah, no, I I see that. I understand that. And I probably try it out and I might like it, especially like you say, during nighttime, but... I don't know. I feel like we spoke about this before the recording. I feel like dark mode and OLED screen might not fit perfectly well together because of the way the scrolling looks, I guess. Um, yeah, the when, lag when, uh, yeah. on LEDs. Yeah. So, so I would um, hope that it's not pure black in a lot of cases then. Yeah, yeah. But at the moment, most apps that do... I understand why you're sort of inclined to... would feel inclined to have a completely black screen because then you do also hide the notch to some extent uh, if you go and potential battery savings because yeah, of yeah. That. yeah yeah i mean that's one of the benefits of the oled but i don't know it just feels uh it it feels it looks a bit like the like the app is drunk because it's like <laughs> uh, moving up and down it's a bit slow i don't know it feels a bit uncontrolled um mm. when you see it it's it's a very weird effect um but yeah maybe we also don't know what new phone will be like. Maybe there are improvements on that side as well from the panel um, itself. I don't know if there are uh, like hardware-wise. Is this something that could be improved for OLED screens? I mean, theoretically, sure. Don't yeah. know how much. Uh, I don't know a lot about uh, the uh, manufacturing of of OLED screens and how to improve their their lag from going from an off state into an on state. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in general, this for dark mode on, on macOS, you basically have a different color scheme. So in theory, it's mm. up to the developers to say, hey, we want to not be completely uh, black, but like a really dark gray or something yeah, yeah. For, for the dark theme. 
Yeah, and hopefully. And then hopefully that just becomes best practice mm. to not go. And I mean, if you have an app that doesn't have any type of scroll screen, uh, scroll view or yeah. table view, you might not, you can go completely black, but maybe um, it's a good idea to stick to a slight neon lighter and uh, to just go a little bit dark gray or dark blue or something like that. So that you avoid this effect. I think that would be nice. But looking at apps that use dark or apple's apps that use dark mode that have a dark mode on mac os at the moment they don't they're not pure black in a lot of mm-hmm. instances so i don't know if that's anything to go off maybe it is maybe it isn't uh, as we discussed the implementation will probably be well sorry the the feature will probably be a little bit different on ios but it might be so you're saying there will be a oled uh, macbook coming out at dubdub is that what you're saying uh, i think that's exactly the words he's, he used <laughs> yeah the the Mac Pro will be OLED. How does how does that work? <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds expensive. Um, <laughs> speaking of <laughs> speaking of panel panels, um, I almost said panel kit. Speaking of panel, um, they also been sort of rumors that there's going to be something like multitasking for um, iOS, which basically means that you're able to have like a separate window for different apps. Uh, I would assume this would more be of more be, be a feature more on the iPad side because you actually have the biggest screen. But Marlon, we've had multitasking since iOS four. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did. There was apparently uh, a thing called Panel Kit, which was a third-party library uh, by um, for developers to be able to do something similar. I haven't looked too much into this, um, but it seems like this multitasking feature from iOS will basically allow you to have multiple windows of the same app open at the same time, which I think could be really useful for something like Safari um, or something like Notes if you want to do some type of like cross cross writing. Sometimes I want to take notes, but I also want to read another note. Uh, so I think that could be probably quite good, um, especially like any like type of text editor where you write multiple drafts could really be like use, using this feature. So I think that would, would be quite nice. Um, not that I'm using iPads, but uh, maybe maybe I will find it more useful if I have something like this. Mm. And I mean, adding to that, apart from the rumor, obviously, the, uh, the developer of PanelKit uh, also joined the Xcode team at Apple, oh, which um, strengthens those arguments that there will be something somewhat okay. similar to that. Do you know when he joined? Um, not sure. I wonder when the latest update of PanelKit came out. I think that was about a year ago now. Okay. Is it completely... Is it open source? The repository is archived. Oh, so it's okay. Definitely so it's been, definitely not gonna. It, no one else has taken it on. Yeah, yeah. It, it has okay. been been archived, and Lewis joined the Xcode team, and uh, now we have panel kit like behavior on iOS rumors. So it does. Uh, it all would line up quite nicely. You know what this reminds me of a little bit? The chat heads mm-hmm. thing that Facebook put out with Messenger a few years ago, where you can chat chat heads. Chat hats. Where Hits. you can drag the little person's bubble around the screen. It was an Android feature because you can't do this on iOS. Oh, uh, I didn't and know it kind of floats around oh, I, I, throughout the system. Yeah, or? yeah. So it's if you're regularly speaking to somebody on Facebook Messenger, like in the case, like mm. in the case of YouTube, if you use Facebook Messenger to communicate, you'd probably always have each other's bubbles on the screen, and mm-hmm. as you navigate okay. around mm-hmm. the OS that little bubble is always there. And if you have a new message, it will have 
a little red badge to say that is a new message. It's okay. Like, I mean, it's probably not the most useful feature because, well, I personally, I don't always want to be reminded that there's something there waiting to check if I'm doing something completely unrelated on a, on mm-hmm. a mobile device. But the idea is actually quite good, I feel. If, if that's something you need to access frequently, then it's there, it's pinned on the screen, and it doesn't really get in the way of what you're doing because, it, well, one, it's small, but two, you can drag it around the screen and pin it to another edge. So, if we saw something like that on iOS, I think it's pretty cool. Is that what multitasking would be, though? Would it be... It, would, it That sounds quite similar to the current split-screen functionality, though. Yes, yes. Um, sort of like... But if you could sort of customize the location of where it was. Because it's quite yeah. small, the, yeah. the chat head. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is... I think this is a pretty promising feature because... We are fairly limited in terms of multitasking on the iPads at the moment. You know, you've got, if you want to do a split screen or something, you've got set size widths that you can set the screen to. And outside of that, there's not much else you can do. So, anything that Mm -hmm. increases the ability for multi-window, multi-app support on the iPad, I think is is needed making to make life easier if you are somebody who uses an iPad. It's probably a good thing. Mm. And it looks like the implementation is quite nice. I, I, I imagine it to be closer to um, if you've ever used Photoshop. They have a whole bunch of panels yeah. for your tools and those kind of things. That's kind of what I imagined it to be like based on the 9to5 Mac article. So, oh, so are we expecting it to be like in the same app you can have panels as opposed to system-based panels? Yeah, so that was at least what what I read into because I thought that would also kind of align with with the marzipan stuff because then you could, on a Mac, those couldn't be individual windows that you drag around on, on, and in iOS, they would all float basically in the same app, but you can arrange them in whatever way you want, especially with some of the things that iOS can connect to external screens. You would then be able to have certain parts on, on basically the secondary screen and have certain other... Uh, panels, I just call them now for lack of a better word, um, on your main screen. So you can still draw on the iPad, but you have like, I don't know, you can see the full canvas on the screen. Uh, yeah, it appears a bit, uh, just looking at my 95 article again, it seems like both of you guys are right. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it could be both something like um, you're able to have multiple windows of the same. So like what you're saying, Kai, you might have something on your iPad and then you have something on the external screen or you might have like uh, an overview of a sketch in one and then you have like a like a second sketch that you're working on on the iPad. Uh, but it also seemed to have specifically detachable portions of the app um, that would be stackable on top of each other, more like um, more like but certain that, components. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's throughout the system, right? Um, it does say sheets that are initially attached to a portion of the screen but can be detached and drag with drag gestures, becoming a car that can be moved around freely, similar to panel kits. Yeah, but my, my assumption there was that it's still within that okay. app. Yeah, yeah. I, so you basically yeah, take those panels, move them around, go to a different app. All the panels are, mm. for intents and purposes, not visible. And when you go back to that app, all your panels are back to or are in the state you left them in yeah it feels like a lot of reshuffling otherwise if you would have to 
I don't know what the hierarchy would be if you would have one that's detachable from the app and can then overlay all the other apps. Yeah. That would be quite annoying if you want to get rid of it at one point because yeah. I assumed you would have to drag it back and attach it to something else then. And I, I think as long if it stays kind of with it, the container of the app, it also is really nicely uh, scaling to multiple mm. displays because then as soon as you have Photoshop, and I mean, we're also still waiting for Photoshop for iPad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that also kind of... Yeah, it's aligns so with enough. that timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I doubt that Apple would partic- specifically make an OS feature just for Photoshop. I don't think they make that for Photoshop, but I wouldn't be surprised if part of Apple's pitch to Adobe to make Photoshop now was, hey, the way you you know how you make yeah. apps that kind of use those kind of floating things, uh, maybe you want to work, work on something us. like this uh, for us. So yeah. I think it's more this technology enables Adobe to make the product they want, or potentially, I mean, yeah. all of this is rumors, but I mean, it does make, um, yeah. rather yeah. Than, than Apple saying, we want Photoshop and therefore we built this feature. Yeah. I think in general, I mean, everyone sort of wanted it. It's been we've been talking about this before. It feels like the current iPad is a lot more powerful than the OS is allowing it to be, mm-hmm. and I think it just makes logical sense to add something like this and make it more of a pro tool, especially when it comes in alignment with something like Marzipan, so that it can be something that potentially um, is a feature that's added to the iPad for people who are pro users, but it can also be benefited by uh, macOS. Uh, mm-hmm. if those apps are being ported. I think that would make it a lot more Mac-like, but you have the flexibility of simplifying them as a user to make them less Mac-like and make them more simplified on an iPad. But if you want to be a pro user, you can separate them out. And I think that makes sense. And uh, it would allow more and more complicated apps to actually exist on uh, on uh, on the iPad. So it makes sense. Mm. And I mean, there, there are a lot of things that I can imagine, especially for, for kind of pro tools. It would be nice to have a whole bunch of operations because, um, I mean, on an iPad, we don't always have a Bluetooth keyboard attached to it. For, to, I mean, a lot of pro users on the Mac use keyboard shortcuts to get to functionality quickly. We don't really have that on an iPad unless you have an uh, the keyboard attached. So to, to have things like, I don't know, video editing type tools to have a whole bunch of different panels that you can swap through to change the edit mode and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I could imagine being quite quite powerful and enabling a lot of things um, without having to use keyboard shortcuts. Like you still have yep. them on screen. You can switch through those edit modes quickly. You can visually see where they are. And as soon as you're in that mode, your your touches uh, uh, do different things. I, I could imagine that being quite quite useful and in, uh, potentially a, a good way of, of working on those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, like I think overall it's funny that we spent a fair bit of time on this, considering that none of us are really iPad users uh, in that way. Not yet. Uh, not yet. No, no. This is how they get you. Um, but I do think it's not. I found it to be interesting for people who use iPad, but I also found it to be interesting to see how all those things that have been rumored and that we've been talking about in previous shows are coming together. How things like Marzipan goes heavily into this, and how things like. Um, what is it called? The um, um, detachable display would also very much align with this type of multi-window interface. I think it makes sense. And we've been talking about how many things potentially could be announced at WWDC. And this still feels like a lot, but they make sense to be announced together. And I think it could have potentially been that all these things depended on each other. And that's why all of them had to be released at once. And I think that will be great. Like It will be a really exciting year at WWDC if all of this is coming out at once. But it's also in general, it's not that I don't want to use it. Uh, an iPad. I just don't see a use case for the iPad yeah. for me right now. 
um, the more powerful the iPad becomes with, uh, oh, I mean, hardware perspective, like the I iPad is already incredibly powerful. For mm -hmm. me, what holds it back at the moment is iOS 12. Um, so if iOS 13 goes very heavily in, in a good direction for the iPad, I, I mean, it's not that I'm inherently against using the iPad at the moment. I just don't see use cases, but adding functionality like that can, I, I can see myself Uh, being more excited about that like if i can use that uh can use a a bigger screen but still have the ipad and and be more uh flexible in 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 the like especially for pro apps right if you if we edit the podcast and we could actually have it on a larger screen the timeline but then kind of do do other interaction on the ipad that, that sounds like an a flow that could potentially be very interesting and uh, productive. So yeah, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not completely against it. I just, um, I wouldn't use it as it is right now, but that's that kind of makes me more excited for, for DubDub because I would like yeah. to. And I feel like this is something that you don't have for, this would actually be quite different from a Mac app as well, um, because I think if you have something, uh, sure, if you have a Mac app, like um, a video editor adding the tool or a... Um, like a design tool, I think you can easily separate it out into different windows. And if you want to have things on your MacBook Pro uh, and things on an external display, you can do that. But you don't get the touch functionality of something like a MacBook. So I think if you have something that you prefer to, like if you usually have like a, what is it called? Well, well, like a tablet, like a Vacom, Vacom tab tablet, Vacom. Vacom tablet. Yeah, so if you have something like that, I think this could actually be a lot better than that, potentially, because you do have that screen that you can actually see and you can still sketch on it at the same time as you have the bigger display. And I think this fulfills a very different functionality from what some, what, what a Mac does. Um, so I think it could like provide like a, a different tool set that Mac, that the Mac does at the moment. And I think that could be exciting. Mm. And I might use that. It, it does feel like there's a lot of things that are coming together this year that we've been waiting on for a while and i know nothing's official until it's announced but that's kind of it does feel like there are certain expectations that will be met this year that have been uh, expectations for a while now so mm. we'll see how it all, it all comes together and makes for a better hopefully ios experience Mm. maybe we'll probably all still be using max in a year <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah this is like when i said that i want to start using more shortcuts mm. yeah didn't really happen yeah but it's i mean i haven't bought an ipad in a really long time i bought the the first ipad and then i think some an air in between and then mini and then finally admitted that i'm not actually using ipads at all um but i would be i mean <laughs> I, i would be excited to be able to to If there are if there are workflows that I could use an iPad for and would enjoy working on the iPad uh, as much or more than on Mac, it would be a good portable uh, machine for me. So I'm yep. I'm definitely uh, hoping to have find more niches for me to to potentially use an iPad, especially considering that I don't really uh, use mobile Macs that much. So if if a lot of I mean realistically until this full X xcode on on ipad i probably would still default potentially Mac. could happen if you have something like this mm. we'll see it's probably I'm, a discussion for a different day mm. but i'm i'm excited okay so if you were sitting on a bus using your ipad hypothetically 
How would you undo mm-hmm. a mistake you had just made? I wouldn't use an iPad in the first place. That is the correct answer. <laughs> if you were using an iPad on the bus, you would have to shake to undo it, which is very, very odd. And yes, some keyboards on the iPad do have an undo button, but that is not universal for some reason. So anyway, there's talk of a new undo gesture on the iPad. I've never seen someone with a 13-inch iPad uh, shaking it to undo. I don't think people know about it. Even when I shake my phone, people wonder what I'm doing. I think if you would see someone shaking a 13-inch iPad, you would also get out of the way. You would also be like, you know that's not fixing it. Even if it's (laughs) broken, it's not going to do it. It's not... Yeah. I don't know. Um, I... Honestly, I think like this whole shake to undo is a very undiscoverable feature. And it's also some, I think people would most likely find out about it if they accidentally shake their phone after doing an action. And it's not, it's not great. The bigger problem to me is, I mean, it is, it, you still need to implement it. Like Apple stuff usually implements shake to undo, but it's even the only thing that's worse than shaking your 13 inch iMac <laughs> to undo something in notes is to shake your 13 inch iPad for nothing to happen. And then you're trying again because shaking also doesn't have a really good feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're like shaking again because you thought maybe it didn't recognize the shaking. Uh, yeah, so I, I agree. Shaking in general, I, I see where it comes from. You're annoyed. You shake your device. I think that's phone. what it's from. Yeah, I mean, that was like the... I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? You you make a mistake and you're like, oh, yeah. I silly, f- mm. silly me. And then it's like, hey, you want to undo that? And you're like, oh, thank you. It just Man, you're very sc- expressive with your I iPhone know. typing. Yeah. It just doesn't doesn't scale too well to 13 or larger larger uh, iOS devices. How would you go shaking your yeah. new Mac Pro? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never make mistakes, so I don't ah, really have that okay. problem. <laughs> undo, undo. Yeah. Take but- Bean there off the App Store. <laughs> I don't think you should I'm do that. Joking. All right. Um, mm. So I don't think. I so don't what is the new gesture? It's swiping from swiping th- three. Th- is it swiping on the keyboard? Apparently, three fingers. Three finger swipe. So what if you don't have a keyboard attached? Oh, oh yeah, on the on the actual software keyboard. No, like a physical. Sorry, the hardware. Yeah. Software. Oh man, software what's keyboard. a hard software keyboard? Definitely not on the. <laughs> no, hardware. no, no. That would be weird. You would swipe your heart yeah, keyboard. Yeah, it wouldn't really solve your bus situation. <laughs> no, you either. just added a whole bunch of extra characters that you now want to undo. Mm. Okay, um, there was also talk of Safari improvements where... <laughs> thanks for getting us out Safari of Safari <laughs> would request desktop site for you, even... Because at the moment, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't on iPad. It's a bit weird. Uh, you often end up with the mobile site, which is not really what you want in a lot of the time when you're browsing full screen on an iPad. So there was talk that that's going to be improved. Were there any other Safari improvements or can we move on? Or I ruined Safari that, improvements? That feature is already there, right? It's just when you hold the reload button at the moment, you have to do it manually. Yes, you have to do it manually. Yeah. Correct. So yeah. it's just doing that automatically yes. where it makes sense. Mm. Which makes sense. If you're browsing full screen on a 13-inch iPad, you almost never want to see the mobile version of a website. Yeah. Mm. So I assume Apple just checks, hey, am I in this weird mobile... mobile uh, uh, view of the website and then request the desktop one instead. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think that makes sense and uh, not a lot to, to talk about here. Nope. But this font management, guys. This is your moment, Marlon. Yeah. Uh, I have honestly not read much about this, but you guys said that apparently it's now, it's potentially going to be possible to change the f- system font on the phone. 
Is this correct? I don't I don't think it's a system font. It's more about um at the moment if you want to install custom fonts onto the device, you have to go through like profiles and I've I've not never actually done that. Um and the the rumor uh on nine to five is that um there is a font picker component that will allow you to Yeah, that was how I read it too. Here, font management. And we mentioned Photoshop earlier and we thought that maybe with some of the features that are coming in iOS 13 or rumored to be coming in iOS 13, we should mention these are all rumors, that it might be time for Photoshop to make its appearance. I know they've said it's coming. And this would be another mm-hmm. sort of step in that direction if you could install custom fonts and manage them yep. uh, with fa- with ease on the iPad. That's, I mean, for something like Photoshop or for any kind of editing application that involves text, you do want to be able to design with custom fonts you don't want to be restricted to what's installed yeah. in the os so it's perfect i mean timing. even for like the iWork suit right, right. it makes yep. a lot of sense yeah, to allow definitely. for custom fonts mm-hmm. okay yeah this makes sense now when i read about it and now when you guys explain i it. don't think it will ever i i hope we're never getting into a time where you can select the uh, the system font for ios oh i hope not to yeah yeah i don't want people to be able to select comic sense on on their phone oh <sighs> Yeah. And also, I feel like those Android phones look funny. <laughs> it would also, I mean, people can like whatever they want. I shouldn't be annoyed about this. No, but, Comic Sans <laughs> isn't allowed to like that. But I just think it would be um, potentially a bit. I think I often design an app and I want it to look in a certain way, and I add a font that I think fits that app, um, and I want it to look in a specific way. And I think if you're able to change that font, that might change the design, the whole entire design um, of. Uh, the app and i think that's not great and i mean in general right otherwise you also get problems if someone selects a font that doesn't support your character set i don't know people use the i don't know to to write uh, swedish characters but the font they selected doesn't support swedish characters now now you're screwed yeah those kind of things so i don't i wouldn't expect that to be ever applying or i shouldn't say ever but not applying to that the user selects a certain font that then applies to certain apps i think it's really for I'm creating a a text sense. type on on a either in Photoshop or Pages yeah. or any other kind of yeah. document yeah. creation tool, and I want to have the font of my choice for that. Yeah, I think that very much fits into the whole Photoshop rumors and also mm. um, iPad rumors. Like, if you want to have a more powerful app and more creative app on the iPad, it makes sense that you're able to be flexible and import. But also just for compatibility, right? Well, what would you do if you pick up a PSD file that you yeah. created on a Mac with a custom font, you open it on yeah. the iPad, it looks completely different, it falls back to SF? Yeah, especially I mean, if you have something like a Marzipan app um, and you you're, can actually use it on both platforms, you want to be able to be flexible yeah. and use the same fonts too. Yeah, and I mean, in general, you probably also want font pickers yeah. for for Mac OS apps because yeah, exactly. the, that limitation would feel even more artificial. So I'm, okay. I'm in favor of that. Yeah, I think, um, again, it pushes iOS into a direction where it's less dependent on the Mac. Yeah, yeah. I'd also, just as an aside, talking about like dependency on the Mac, I'd love to see file management get better. I know that there's the files app and it works and you can do things. See, but- I never really use it. I feel like it's not, very useful it's not that's the problem so i've been because i do use the ipad for taking notes at uni but sometimes it is handy to reference lecture slides Mm -hmm. and things i've got in in google so not in in um icloud drive Mm -hmm. and sometimes i've I've got the ipad in front of me it's like i'll open some lecture notes and i generally save uh like a, a lecture slide so either a powerpoint or a pdf file and like a usually a word document 
for every class that I have to go to mm-hmm. into um, like I, I save it locally. I put it into a folder in, in iCloud Drive and just doing that on iOS is painful. It's slow. The interface for selecting, like for navigating down in the in the uh, folder structure is really painful. And, and it's often faster to just pull the Mac out of my bag, open it up, log in, do all that stuff, open the p- web page again, and then just use the Mac to drag and put stuff in the appropriate folders and then go back to the iPad to open it. Mm. It's just, I, I don't I don't have a, I mean, it's, it's obviously difficult to solve for a touch interface, but while we're on the topic of making the iPad more Mac-like, I think that's another area that could use some love. Mm. Maybe not this year, probably won't. I'm not expecting any changes this year, but I would like to see those changes. But even there, like panels can really help with that, right? If you would just have a holding holding area as a panel, that would make mm-hmm. a lot of kind of file operations so much nicer. Just just that's the true. files yeah. you already have, just to manage that. If you yep. have a panel, you can drop a whole bunch of files and you drag some of them out of the panel again, and then you just dismiss the panel when you're done with it, would solve a lot of those kind of issues. So I, again, think yeah. those things could, in theory, go go quite nicely hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this feels like a very complicated thing to design and implement, but I think it's... So I'm wondering if this is like the whole... Um, iPad improvement or iPad UI improvement. I wonder if that's going to be all... I wonder if all these things will come out at once or if they will see if people like it first and then maybe add things like this panel or um, improvements to specific apps. So I wonder I wonder how much it will... how much the system will be adapted to it or if it's more a third party. I, I hope the system uses a lot of that. If I hope I so mean, too, but it, it feels like a huge update in comparison to anything else before. Y- yeah, but I, I, I think it needs that to have really good... Here, like this is this is the iOS update for or the the iPad iOS yeah. update. Now you can do all those things and look how how we as we as an Apple uh, use that throughout the entire system to make all those kind of yeah. small pain points that kept you away from using it and thinking I'd rather pick up my Mac. Now now there are solutions to a lot of those and yeah. we encourage like and therefore encourage third party developers to to adopt and and steal some of those kind of uh, interaction models for for their own apps because i do think those kind of things can can really elevate the ipad from where it is at the moment to to something that is that i would consider more seriously and i think a lot of people would want to consider more seriously but also um the files app that is only the usage of the files app but there's also the entire problem of how do you get stuff in there that's the part that i'm not very happy about because at the moment the easiest way to get things into your files app is using your mac yeah because otherwise that's what i mean yeah yeah, there's no and to do any kind of organization like creating new folders yes you can do it on the ipad but it's very but even just i don't know if someone hands you i mean you're you're still a student uh, someone hands you a usb stick with a document that you're working on i'm like well now what <laughs> like if you only have an yeah. ipad you put it in and it's like do you want to import it to photos <laughs> you know i i think but that, that would be more of um wouldn't that be more of a hardware limitation i mean there is a, if you have an ipad you have a usb-c port it's just oh, that yeah. the yeah. only thing you can import is going through photos and oh, then yeah putting it somewhere else but that obviously doesn't apply to a lot of other file formats so Mm -hmm. again that seems to be something even if we just use photoshop as so even if it would be a pages document that you would want to move over you can't get that to open in pages no i don't think so wow yeah i don't think there's support for usb as a like external storage device okay i think it has to be specific for photos yeah it's it's weird but those kind of things i mean 
Fortunately, I haven't had to deal with USBs in probably a couple of years at uni. Okay. Everyone, like, uni has decent internet and people love Google Drive. Mm-hmm. So, that's worked out okay. But absolutely, if somebody did hand me a USB, it would my first response would be, okay, I'm going to pull out my Mac now mm. and pull out the adapter that I have <laughs> in my bag. And then I can take your file. Yeah. But again, for Photoshop, like I, I just, I mean, unless everything is kind of the, the Adobe Cloud stuff, which wouldn't be super surprising either. But I, I do think like some kind of file management to actually uh, access your mass storage devices and being able to pull things out would be, again, lifting the, the machine. It's just also at the moment, a lot of people would bring a Mac just in case those kind of situations occur it's kind of like range anxiety in in electric cars right people people don't go for it because what if that situation would occur that someone hands me a usb stick and i can't do anything (laughs) with it right yeah just just even even if almost no one's using it knowing that it's there and it's a feature you could use if you ever needed to Mm -hmm. i think that will already shift a lot of the value of the ipad yeah yeah, just earlier uh, in the recording, you, Zach, mentioned that you will bring your iPad to WWDC. And I felt like, oh, yeah, I also want to do that. And then I sort of felt, wouldn't it be great if you could only bring your iPad with you? Um, because I think, like, I mean, there isn't <laughs> Xcode, which is a problem. But mm-hmm. uh, it would be great if you could just have one device that's sure not as great um, when it comes to like the size of it, or maybe not having as great of a keyboard. But that's a device that you wouldn't use on an everyday basis, but you can do everything with would just be so much more comfortable. And I think that fits into what you're saying, Kai, that if you know that it can read everything and you know that you can do the things that you would do with a Mac, just put maybe potentially in a slightly different way, I think would just add some more comfort in like potentially only using an iPad or only bringing an iPad in certain situations. Mm. That would be nice. And I think that's the appeal of the 12-inch MacBook when people like that for its portability it's not too much heavier than an ipad for carrying around but because it's a mac that runs mac os mm. it's capable of everything yes it might be slower but if you have an xcode project you can compile it on the go mm. if you need to do anything with external storage you can do that yes it's going to be slower than carrying around a 15 inch macbook pro but it's not any less capable mm. Mm. and if the ipad could get closer to bridging that gap between being less capable than the Mac, and that's probably a good thing. And I think this year, a few things are coming together, and we're starting to maybe see that happen. I feel like everyone's been saying this for five years. <laughs> maybe one day. Yeah. Yeah. Also, where the hell do all those uh, leaks come from? <laughs> I don't know. From a... S- what was it? What do they call it? A trusted so, source? Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's interesting. Yeah. I think we've been wanting to talk about this before and we might have to save it again, but like leaking stuff in general, I found to be so strange. But uh, yeah, this is just, I mean, all of those kind of things. I mean, we, we, depending on our hunger level, we might also get into uh, some of the macOS stuff and, and those kind of leaks that occurred over the last uh, Mm. week or so. Um, But just, just considering that those things happen together, it's, I can't imagine that actually coming from Apple. I wonder if it's third parties that get access to, yeah, to I think, builds early to yeah. then have a lot of software ready for Adaptop or at least presentable Adaptop. And yeah, yeah. I was thinking it might be something that, uh, I mean, it would be a lot clearer if this was the case, but sometimes certain leaks come from uh, people looking at the actual OS updates uh, that are coming out. Um, 
like if, if there's a new 12.2 update uh, for Mac, they might accidentally leave some things in there for third, uh, for Mac OS. Wait, which version one? Yeah, 15. it's a 12.2. That's not correct. That's iOS. Um, but yeah, I mean, those leaks make sense. And yeah, maybe it's a third party thing. It feels so risky though. Like, I don't understand. Like, it feels so weird that people leak things. I feel like it's such a risky thing to do, especially if you work directly at Apple. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't feel, I don't know, it doesn't seem worth it. It's like, yes, you know something that other people don't know, but then. But it's That's also like you it's, signed up yeah. for that. It's and it's not about leaking secrets for a company. I think, yeah, that's that's one part of it. But I mean, if I was a developer who worked on any of those features and I was really proud of maybe potentially even announcing it at WWDC myself or having a session about it, I would be really excited for that. And then if someone goes out yeah. and talks about that, it sort of um, breaks the excitement a bit. And it also, mm. first of all, it puts more pressure on the developers in making whatever the public now thinks this is going to be. And the second thing is that it's not as exciting. Like you, you, you were looking forward to giving, so- giving something to people who use your product. And I think it's the same as like, if you, if you have buy a present to someone and they accidentally see the receipt of it, that's not exciting because you wanted to see their reaction. You wanted to be able to present it to them and make people excited. And I think mm. that's why many people work at Apple. They want to make a better place for for the people who use their products and it sucks to have that sort of spoiled just like that and it's yeah apple doesn't really attract people who do not care about their the things they're working on yeah. so obviously like of those people would be it's, looking yeah, forward yeah. to the day of announcing something that they put a lot of work into the last few mm. years right so it's always like every time i see rumors i feel like it's interested in seeing what what's been leaked but also kind of I don't know. It, it, I would I would feel uh, pretty bad if I would work on something for for a long time and then I don't know if I would have worked on panels and then people start speculating about it and then at the day of the keynote panels will be announced and it's like oh yeah that's exactly what we expected it mm. to be. You know that's just I don't know. See, yeah, or if they would be though, I feel sorry. like it's inevitable. I mean you're working at Apple. A lot of people see things, a lot of people hear things. Things are going to get out. I I feel like if I was an employee there I mean, yes, you might, you would absolutely prefer if things stayed a secret, but I don't think it should be a surprise when these things get it's out. It's not a and surprise, I don't think but you probably, personally. You, you probably still hope it's not your stuff that leaks, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you don't want it to leak, but I think, I think that's part, like, you're, you're working for the largest company in the world. There's a lot of interest mm. in the stuff that's happening inside of the walls of Apple Park. Yeah, but it's just disappointing, like, because it's most likely someone of your coworkers who leaked this, and I feel like that's a bit yeah, disappointing. Yeah, that, that part is disappointing. Yeah, like yeah. they they don't have the or same values, parties, so they don't. I mean, uh, based on the things that yeah. are being worked on, it sounds like third parties would have to be involved early. Yeah, this is not this is not specifically about the things that were leaked. Now, I just feel like in general, it's a bit of a sucky thing for the rest of. I think in general, people. internal leaks seem to have slowed down, though. Okay. I feel I feel like we don't didn't really have a lot of rogue employees or ex employees that leak stuff. It usually yeah. is either current employees that left something in builds, or yeah. or current yeah. teams that left things in builds that you could then find, or or something that was probably not coming from inside uh, Apple Park or Infinite Loop. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm not blaming 95 Mac at all. I mean, I'm. It's probably one of the most frequented websites uh, I'm going to in my life. Definitely appreciate yeah, everything I, they're doing I, um, and really enjoy their 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 
articles to it. <laughs> just that's always kind and of I mean, the thing, right? It's, that's it's, their it's, job, right? Like, I mean, I mean, exactly. I mean, that's that that's not job, an excuse, yeah. though. You could, you know, if if someone's job would be to torture children yeah, yeah, until they yeah. give up all their secrets. You couldn't say that's your job. It's just no. What I mean is that if they if they hear a rumor, it's weird if they wouldn't report it. I think it's. I'm hoping that they're not going out and tricking people into telling them things. Yeah, that's that a different, different thing. Story. And I think other people, other reporters, do that. No, but if you're ethically getting this information as a journalist, I mean, yeah. and it's normal. Like things leak. Like things leak. I follow sport closely. Rumors get out. You know, things contracts leak days early. (laughs) (laughs) Info about contracts, like people talk to the press. That's a normal thing, and obviously, no one wants to get out. If you're the subject of a new two million dollar sport contract, you don't want that to get out publicly, at least ahead of time. But it happens, and that's the way the world works. I mean, politics, people. I mean, the reason people talk about it is because they're excited about it, right? Exactly. It's, people are interested. There's excitement. And there's no no physical harm to yeah. anyone. It's it's very... No, I, no. So, no. it is... I don't blame 9 to 5 Mac for... I mean, obviously, no, the people all. leaking to them should probably... They might have questionable <laughs> ethics, but yeah. uh, I, I think if you're a journalist who gets some information... I think it's fine to publish it if you're I not, agree. if it's not hurting anyone, if it's not yeah. putting anyone in jail, yeah. it's not ruining a life. Like it, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's okay. Yeah, it's different if you would leak something that would then I don't know if you would if you would leak stuff and disclose your source, including their home address and uh, <laughs> right. the yeah. school that children go to. Like that would. Or be- as Marlon said, if you're tricking somebody into talking to you, that's yeah. obviously not yeah. okay either. Yeah, yeah. But if somebody with full knowledge of what's happening goes, hey. Uh, Rambo, I have some information about iOS 13 for you. I think that's okay yeah. if he publishes that information. That person knew what they were getting into. And even even scooping in in iOS 12.2 and on the website for for pictures and for for any kind of information, hundred uh, percent ethical uh, scooping. Yeah, I'm too. okay with that too. And I know people get really upset when that happens, but like it's public. It's on the internet. Yeah, I don't know. It's Again, you're not you're not harming anyone. You're not. No one's going to jail, or no no family is being broken up because you're yeah. giving this information. Like there's there's obviously sensitive topics where it is questionable if you find something and you, you talk about it publicly when you shouldn't. But I think for this kind of stuff, like there's a lot of interest in mm. Apple and all of that. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that was <laughs> Back to the rumors. Brave interlude into the uh, <laughs> uh, ethics of, of leaking. Let's talk about mail. You got mail. Okay. No one else is excited. So, uh, I yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, um, you I mean, I don't know. Are, what email clients are both of you using? I mean, Zach, I remember from your dog that you're lo- using like 12 of them <laughs> and, and that is totally legit and you had good reasons for that. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just the, just the Apple mail one for personal email and outlook for work stuff. That's it. It's only two. Okay. Marlon, you? Um, I have been using Spark for a while, but, uh, lately I went back to using the, um, Apple mail, um, for reason that are too long to talk about now. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so at the moment I'm using Apple mail and I know it's not as great as many other clients. And yeah, I did like Spark for that and I like Polymail as well, but there were other downsides. So yeah, for now I use that. I think I probably have tried 90% of all uh, email clients on the app store. Um, 
And I mean, it's not it's not really that I have that specific or or crazy requirements. It's just none of them behave quite the way I I want it. Like I do appreciate Spark. I do use Spark at the moment, but it still has edges that I'm not not fully fully uh, liking. Like there, there's just some weird uh, navigation behavior every now and then, and sometimes emails don't render the way they're supposed to, and those kind of things. But I I really. The way I deal with email is usually that I, it's not really an inbox zero, um, mostly because I'm not not uh, keeping up with it enough. Um, but it's a similar idea. Kind of the top of my inbox are usually things I still want to deal with. And then I check them off or archive them when I'm done with it, or I snooze them for a specific time. And I, in particular, what I'd like to do is, I don't know, I see an email on my phone. Uh, I know I want to answer that when I get um, back to my Mac and I just snooze it for for my Mac those kind of kind of things and those are kind of the core functionality archiving snoozing and something that kind of has a unified inbox and um apple mail obviously didn't have that also apple mail uh refresh is a bit weird um i do like to have basically what what apple used to call push push access to emails so basically as soon as i get an email i i like to get a notification because mm. otherwise i think apple mail has for for not i mean icloud email addresses and i think gmail maybe they support push but others do not mm-hmm. um and then you kind of get them every 15 30 minutes or whatever interval and i always dislike that that i get them in chunks <laughs> uh first of all sometimes there are emails that i like I have email setups for like server being down or or certain I don't know uh, the talk show podcast uh, tickets becoming available. So I I do have emails that I just want to know directly, and I wouldn't want to wait at worst fifteen minutes. But I also don't like sometimes getting like three or four emails in in the one yeah. refresh cycle. And I also think if you know that it's fifteen minutes and you know that you might be getting some email, that's just gonna cost you more not stress, but it's gonna make you a bit less productive because you're gonna potentially go in and refresh it manually rather yeah. than waiting for it. And that was my whole Tuesday morning. <laughs> refreshing like every five minutes. Yeah. And then and then it failed me. The system failed me. I got a message from Kai <laughs> saying, check your email. <laughs> it's like, well, all that refreshing that didn't even return a result. Could have just waited for the text. That's okay. Um, but that's exactly it. I, I mean, I do have that. Up for I, I know when I don't have push email that I do, instead of relying on that, I will check whether my servers are all healthy more often than I need to. And I just like to have, I mean, in theory, I could use, I don't know, like a Telegram bot or something else that relies on push notifications. But I just like having those kind of things in email because I can just say, all right, this is something I want to deal with directly. Other things I just archive or or just leave hanging around. But I, I, I like I like that because I my email load is also not very high. Uh, realistically, I only get it. Because I, I don't have any newsletters I would subscribe to or whenever I get anything that is not solicited, I, I add those people to the spam or, or ban list. So I'm I'm quite uh I'm trying to to reduce the amount of emails and everything that comes in is actually to some uh some extent either interesting to me or important to me. And therefore, because that's just a workflow I picked for 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 a lot of years by now. I, I would like something that that supports that so I don't have to move all of those into into a different platform. Um, 
Anyway, that was a very long way of saying uh, that, according to those rumors, Apple uh, puts uh, quite a lot of, or appears to put a lot of work into uh, into the uh, native mail app, uh, including things like the um, uh, different categories. So if you get emails, um, it will automatically sort them into like what's marketing and travel and not important, those kind of inboxes. Which I never trusted, but maybe maybe Apple's will surprise me there and make it useful. I guess something like travel could be useful that you mm. see your iteries and you see when your tr- flights are and kind of parsing information out of that. Especially and also like you mentioned, news uh, newsletter subscriptions would be really nice to have separated. Yeah, I mean as long as you can trust it. I think travel is simple enough because I mean Apple already does that, right? If you send someone a flight number, you in in iMessage, mm-hmm. Apple parses that and you can tap oh, it yeah. and see the flight information like if if those kind of things are just automatically uh pulled out of emails and you just see uh when your flights are and updated flight information that would yeah. be pretty cool and potentially also add to you can at the moment also add to your calendar right if you have a flight number so it detects those things i think it will add to your calendar yeah it recognizes some emails from airlines yeah, yeah. And we'll add that, which is actually quite handy because I really like to have flights on my calendar when I'm traveling yeah, it's really internationally nice. because then I can know the time relative zone. to my takeoff time, what time is it when I'm landing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that's really nice. Yeah. But um, for that, if, if those kind of things come in and there is um, a more, I mean, even, yeah some better better support for for getting direct notification as some emails come in i would love to be able to switch back to to the um to the uh, mail app just because it's just one more thing i don't have to try every single one of and apples apart from from those two two problems i have apples does basically everything the way i want it to um so i'd i'm quite interested in seeing what what's happening around that and i would love to be able to switch back to mail app yeah i agree the mail app is good i probably for 95 percent of people's use cases Mm. and i have no problem using it most of the time as well Mm. yeah and again uh i think there was mentioned to a potential marzipan uh what's that mentioned somewhere i don't remember but again i hope not i really hope not (laughs) a mail app should be native yeah (laughs) Uh, we'll see, but um, any any kind of assuming those are improvements. Yeah, like search doesn't work very well on iOS if you have a large inbox. Yeah, that whereas is. Whereas on the Mac, it's a lot better. Yeah, I would anyway. That's okay. Yeah, but any any kind of improvements to a mail app uh that makes it either forces third party apps to be to become better, or it being a a viable option uh for for. Pushing that from 95 to 99 percent of people, uh, I'd be strongly in favor of that, and looking forward to hearing more about that. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I would definitely be happy about that. And I'm surprised that you are considering that you are haven't really been using the Apple Mail app in years. So it's nice. I guess it's it's weird. It's it's a bit sad to hear that you tried so many apps and now you're sort of defaulting into hoping that apple will be able to do it the thing is my favorite ones are always being bought and shut down yeah yeah and i just for that alone i just it's very unlikely that someone buys apple's mail.app uh and shuts it down so for that that reason alone that i just have an app that i i like and i know won't go away uh that alone would would make me switch Mm. yeah that makes sense 
Yeah, so the next thing in this this 095 Mac was the new volume HUD. And th- that has just been the, the, a low-hanging fruit for, I don't know... I don't know why days. they haven't changed this already. I, I I think maybe I'll offend people because I feel like this would be quite easy. Um, but it is quite frustrating that the current volume... Is it the HUD? Yeah. Or does that stand for something? Yeah. It's up display. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So the current volume HUD is just covering the middle of the screen. And it's not small either. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they have a huge logo indicating what it is and indicating that it is a volume control. And I feel like that made sense in early OSs. I think you needed to sort of inform users what you're doing if you accidentally tap buttons on the side. But I think now it's pretty... It doesn't have to be that prominent. It's enough to just display it at the top of the display or some somehow a bit more discreetly. Um, so I think that would be really good. Something that doesn't cover your whole screen. Yeah. Or not whole screen, the middle of your screen. A, a lot of apps already do that. Like I think Instagram maybe. Yeah, Instagram put- does that. They basically exchange, at least on the iPhone 10, they replace the top left corner or like the top left ear uh, with a volume control mm-hmm. briefly and i think that's quite useful and it makes sense for an app like instagram because you probably watch something yeah i mean it's not super as obvious obviously than uh, yeah. something that fills 90 percent of your screen uh but at least it doesn't obstruct the content that you're trying to make more or less loud yeah and i don't know if apple will make it like that it might just be something that appears at the top of the like navigation bar like an overlay and i think that would be good enough like just get it out of the middle of the screen it would be a huge improvement yeah and i mean in general uh, realistically considering that you already have feedback like you the reason you're pushing those buttons is to increase or decrease the volume because it's either too loud or too 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 quiet yeah so you you get the feedback directly because the content becomes louder or quieter i mean there are certain parts when it might be quiet and you're increasing or decreasing and you don't realize how loud you make it and therefore it's it's important but it's definitely not more important than anything else on the screen for the next three seconds or four seconds or however long it is so yeah any any improvement i i (laughs) it's it's been overdue and i'm i'm looking forward to that I just I didn't see that before. There's also a redesigned a redesigned reminders app. Oh, mm. you what have does it competition say about that? Could be good. What does it say about this? <laughs> Other features to come with iOS 13 include a redesigned reminders app, which is also coming to the Mac. That's it. That's it. So that's basically a marzipan version of. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, at the moment, reminders is really not in a good state. No, no. Like on the Mac in particular, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's it's probably one of the. It looks least... like it's already a marzipan app, to be yeah, honest. it's um, it's definitely one of the least supported apps on the Mac. It's just a very simple app. It, it's not it's not making a, it's not any different using it on the Mac compared to using it on an iPhone. I think so. It's a candidate for making making a marzipan app if they want to make any improvements on both platforms. Mm. But also yep. something that I would say has a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of room for improvement in general for yeah. reminders. I mean, it seemed to be more of a UI for for Siri when it came out. Yeah. Um, for yeah, Siri it felt reminders. very focused on dictation, mm. like adding things like time st- um, due dates and those things was always feeling quite clunky. I think, and it would be great if you could have more like smart text input, sort of like the calendar or third party apps have when it's sort of. Just like you can write when you want to be reminded about something and then it puts that in. Sort of what Siri does already. Mm-hmm. It would be great if you have that type of interface for reminders as well. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I, I think those those two things, the, the volume hunt and reminders are 
pretty overdue. So it will be interesting to see what happens mm. around those. So many things. It's weird. <laughs> like it's also weird that all of this came out at once. Um. So it definitely. You feels mean like all the rumors? All the rumors. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I think there is someone that yeah. has access to a build that feeds information. Yeah. Uh, I mean that makes sense. Um, all of those things. Yeah, did you hear someone yeah. say that they probably like nine to five Mac itself probably doesn't have access to the builds because then they might be able to pull image assets mm. and yeah. other things from it. Whereas this is all uh, sort of just recounts of yep. of probably what other people have said. But yeah, definitely, it sounds like it's coming from somewhere. But even even not that like the volume hunt, it's just saying new, right? It, Nine to five yeah, doesn't yeah. seem to have information about um, where it will be, just that it's new. Like, mm-hmm. no, 9 to 5 did that before, like, before Siri was announced, did a very accurate, um, like, mock-up of what the entire Siri interface would look like based on, mm-hmm. on someone explaining what it looks like and then them re, re, recreating it in Photoshop. But it seems to not even go to that extent. Mm. That's why I'm wondering if it's, it's purely... Yeah, it might just be, a, like, um, like, looking at the code and looking at the classes from it. Yeah. Yeah, either way, uh, a lot of interesting... I think, actually, that makes it more interesting. Like, because we get a lot of... Th- those are the things that are being yeah, worked on, yeah. but not exactly what they look like. So, it gives us a lot more room for speculation and a lot more... It makes it a lot more interesting to me because we can think about, hey, how would we solve those problems considering that th- that is a problem that's being solved? And we get an answer relatively soon in uh, less than... What, what month is that? April? It's April, Yes. It's like five or six weeks to go, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So, uh, six, yeah, it's going to come around quickly. Mm. Yeah. Man, I need to book flights. Yeah. It's, yeah. You'll, so expensive. You have time. Right You'll be fine. I do. 